hammer down and push your indie car to the limit. No better way to quiet your critics than to go to victory lane. From turbochargers to tight turns, we're covering everything that's happening in the NTT IndyCar Series. Erickson wins the Indianapolis 500 in the most dramatic way. Exclusive interviews with drivers, crew chiefs, and team owners discussing the IndyCar storylines that matter to you. No matter whether it's a street circuit, a road course, a super speedway, or a small oval, it's fantastic, and there's more to come in 2022. This is Sirius XM's Brick by Brick. Well, it's that time of the week. Yes, indeed. TK, Tony Kanan, and yours truly, Jack Aruka with you to review and preview all the comings and the goings in the IndyCar world. TK, Indianapolis was the epicenter of the crossover event between NASCAR and IndyCar. What'd you make of it? Good crossover. I think uh, I was amazed that uh, actually some people didn't know it was an IndyCar race going on on Saturday, which... I don't know. I mean, I think they related that NASCAR and IndyCar never raced together, which we did in the past, but uh, great weekend. I mean, 60,000 people total yeah. over the course of the three days. So uh, a, a good crossover, all the guys getting along, taking pictures. I mean, I, I missed the, the winner's picture on the, on the bricks, but um, awesome weekend. Um, crazy race. I think on some more on Sunday than on Saturday on the NASCAR side with, all the controversy with the cut tracks and stuff, but IndyCar, I mean, again, another, another great event, uh, a, a, a championship lead change and um, a lot of, a lot of things going on. So I, I, I thought it was awesome. Yeah. It was a tough week for Marcus Erickson uh, actually not being able to qualify because of mechanical woes during the, during the qualifications and the warm up. So uh, at the end of things, Alexander Rossi ends a three-year drought and is an IndyCar race winner again, the first time at the Brickyard on the road course. He's won on the big track at the big race, the Indianapolis 500. Rossi is now a winner on the Brickyard road course. You don't see him going crazy in the cockpit. What I see is exhale, you know, relief. Great job, boys. Great job. And here he is, finally a winner again in the NTT IndyCar Series. Well, uh, our guest that's going to be joining us momentarily, Alexander Rossi, finally got off the two-year snide and uh, went back to victory lane. It was a day for Will Power. His power just uh, grabbed just a handful of points to move ahead. And you and I have been delaying saying what the shape of the championship is going to be. I feel comfortable in saying that uh, I think momentum is on the side of Team Penske. And I say that because we were all kind of leaning towards Joseph Newgarden. I see no reason why not to include him in the conversation, even though he's a little bit further back. But I think, let's say, Marcus Erickson and Alex Pillow, they represent Target Chip Ganassi. Newgarden and Will Power represent Team Penske. I get the gut feeling as we hit the home stretch here that Team Penske has a slight edge. Now, that can change. Well, you don't, don't forget Dixon. Dixon is ahead of. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So you like the numbers. You're, you're, you're going with CGR. No, actually, no. I think I would like CGR to win because of it's course. my team. But uh, yeah. we, I've been saying 
I'm worried about Penske. I think Penske is going to do it, especially with all the turmoil that is going on right now at CGR. It's it's not helping them. No, it, it, it isn't. And again, Chevrolet versus Honda. So we're going to be talking a little bit in, in later in the show to uh, the president of Big Machine Music City Grand Prix down in Nashville, Chris Parker. But I wonder, who do you think engine manufacturer-wise is favored in this race this weekend? Is this a is this a bow tie track or is it you know a Honda track? Last year it was um, a Honda track. Jack, actually, I think uh, I was talking to Dixon yesterday. Um, uh huh. The Chevy has an upper hand right now. They proved a lot, and we talked about it every time in the show. We talk about the movement that happened between Ray Gosling and going to from Andretti to to Chevy, but. No, I, I honestly think Chevy has the upper hand, and especially on tracks that have long straightaways. And, and Nashville has one. Look what happened here in India as well. So, no, I think I think it's it's not a Chevy track. It's actually a Chevy year right now. One other sidebar before we visit with the winner. Jimmy Johnson. I don't know what to make of this. The social media, and I guess it's a case whenever you're going to pit IndyCar with NASCAR, there's going to be groups that are going to quiz Jimmy. You know, would you consider returning to the, the NASCAR world? From what I could see, I think it's much ado about nothing. He says he has some unfinished business, but he said he would be open to maybe some one-off opportunities. But I get the sense that JJ's committed to another year. If he can put the deal together of competing on the IndyCar circuit, what say you? A hundred percent. I think yeah. he's looking to do, you know, in the IndyCar schedule, it's not as busy as the NASCAR, so he could do some of the NASCAR races. But the biggest uh, problem right now, Jack, it's sponsorship. I don't yeah. think JJ has anything lined up. Carvana is going through some turmoil right now. They're the their biggest sponsor. They're they're great sponsors. I mean, they're plugging in. Look at if you if you watch, uh, you know how much money they put just on advertising it's it's crazy so uh, hopefully they will stick together and jj can do another year well one guy that we know is going to be doing another year is joining us on the hotline and he is the winner the most recent winner on the indy road course we're talking about alexander rossi alexander you finally got the gorilla off your back yeah it's uh it's pretty cool obviously to, to finally not have to talk about when we're going to win a race again um, in, in one respect, but also, you know, I'm just so happy for the team and it's been a, a long, difficult journey to kind of get back to this point and, um, you know, still four races to go. So, Well, Alex, congrats, my friends. I was uh, really happy to see you back there, but I also like, my question is, I think you actually touched that on one of your interviews and, and as a driver, I can relate a lot. Um, it has been two years and I, I've, I've known you well enough that, I know you do not care what people think. I mean, you could care less and I appreciate that on you, but did that at some point, it has to wait on you. And I think you mentioned that too. So I would love to the, just see your insight. What, you know, that is not a lot to do on my end. I mean, I've been through it, but how was that affected you in the last two years? And then, I mean, I saw you coming out of the car and you just go, here we go. I'm back. So <laughs> can you explain to us what, what went through your mind? Because you kind of said, you kind of, you know, you have to second out yourself every once in a while. Yeah, for sure. You know, and I think it, 
you know, Tony, like this sport, the, the person that puts the most pressure on a driver is, is the driver themselves, right? You know, we're, we're always aware of the fact that we're under a, a microscope and really you're not guaranteed anything. I mean, we're seeing that come before our eyes. You know, contracts are, are great, but, you know, ultimately this is a performance-based sport um, and, and you always have to, to reprove your, your worth and value. It doesn't matter. You know, it was even happening to Scott. You know, he's, mm-hmm. he's the most successful IndyCar driver we've ever seen. And people are like, oh, it's been 20-something races since he's won. Like, is he going to leave CGR? And it's just like, shut up. So, yes, I think that that always exists. But but still the biggest influence and, and the pressure comes from, from within, at least, at least on my side. Um, so, yeah, the outside noise didn't really bother me. It was more... The, the internal conversation I was having, it's like, do I need to change something? Do I need to, to approach something differently? Do I, you do start to second guess your process and, and what you're doing. Um, and ultimately, you know, I, I have to give a lot of credit to to the whole Andretti Autosport organization and, and my team on the 27 side, you know, they, they never questioned anything. They never started to give me the impression that they started to, to lose faith or belief. And, and I think that was a huge a huge help for me um, knowing that I still had the full support of the team. And even once I, you know, announced that I was leaving and, and everything that that stayed the same, which I am obviously very appreciative mm-hmm. of and, and grateful for, and is a testament to, to who Michael is, is as an owner and as a person. Well, one thing I can be sure of though, Alexander is uh, this week's off track with Hinch and Rossi. Uh, I think you need to demand an oh, I am not worthy from your partner, James Hinchcliffe, because he's done. Drop the mic, or he actually picks up a mic now. But you're <laughs> still out there turning left and right and going around the Indianapolis road course and going to victory lane. So give him a couple of jabs, will you? Yeah, that being said, I think his job is probably still harder than mine. Like, I really? Yeah. He's very good at it, but that's yes, he definitely is. Uh, <laughs> more intimidating for me than, than driving a race car. Well, we look forward to it each and every week on Sirius XM's NBC Sports Audio Channel 85. Let's go back. You alluded to the the class act that Andretti Autosport is. Uh, You started kind of the domino effect as Team McLaren just uh, is trying to scoop up as many drivers as possible. Earmarked for that team one year from now. Is that a, a sense of relief knowing that you're at least your immediate future is charted not only for this season and with that win, but also looking forward to then transitioning to uh arrow McLaren SP in 2023. Um, yeah. I mean, you kind of, you kind of have two minds about it, right? Like, yes, you know, I know what I'm doing in, in 23. So that takes some of the, the conversations and the noise away from, you know, what you're trying to do in the season, but also that's, that's not now. So that's kind yeah. of irrelevant. Um, and, and so much of, of what, you know, kind of, I already said, you're, you're judged on what you do week in and week out. Um, so for me, you know, I still have four races left with, with the team that I'm driving for. Um, I have expectations of them and, and we all have, so that, that doesn't really change with what's coming in the future. Uh, Monday after we're going to take a roll around, but you know, right now my, my main focus is on Andretti and, and what we're doing on the, the 27 side. You mentioned it after, uh, you know, that good finish at Road America that, you know, you, you, you thought that you could see positive movement. So having to exercise the discipline that when 
you missed that, you know, that opportunity, but showed the promise to be able to cash in not that far, farther down the road at the Indy road course. What was the weight like Rossi when you're, you know, you know, okay, I got a hot rod now. Now I just, I just need this opportunity to get out there and strut it. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you, you take every day as, as a new opportunity. You know, we were, we were competitive from kind of the beginning of the weekend, last weekend on Friday, first practice. And, you know, we had had a really strong test there, which doesn't always translate to anything. Mm. You know, these cars are, are very condition sensitive, but, you know, we felt that we were coming in with a, with a car that was good. You know, historically, our single lap pace has, has not been strong there. Um, you know, we've always had a pretty good race car, but we haven't been able to start far enough up front to, to do anything with it other than I think we finished third twice over the years. So for for us to be able to qualify in the front row was already a big a big achievement. So we knew that we had a great opportunity going in, into Saturday. That being said, you know, we still had to have things go our way. You know, it's obviously, you know, Colton had a, an unfortunate situation, um, which is, is really hard to see for a teammate and a friend. But at the same time, you know, we've we've had a couple things get taken away from us over the years, and um, you know, other people have benefited to some respect. But yeah, I mean, even though we had the fastest car, we still had to have, you know, a little bit of luck on our side um, come race day. So it was nice just to have everything go smoothly and for us to be able to. You know, a show the performance of the car, but B just, you know, not only for me, but for the whole the whole 2017. You know, those guys have been through, you know, this difficult. You know, I've had the same engineer and crew chief since 2017, and yeah, a lot of the same on that car. And as hard as it is for me, it was hard to go get up and go to the shop at 7 a.m. and and they are there to win as well. Um, and and so it, I think it was just it was a nice reminder for everyone. Um, inside and outside the organization that, you know, we're still more than capable of doing this and um, that, that we're going to be around for, for quite some time. Alex, I mean, obviously you just said that you worry about this next four races to finish the year. It's great to see the, the, the respect and the relationship that you still have with Michael, which you said all along and the team is giving you everything. Um, but is that, I know it's not of your concern, but obviously you can see what's going on with all this mess around, you know, contracts and no contracts involving, involving your future team. Does that concern you at all as far as distraction for when, you know, it's going to be a new team for you and, you know, you got to get the people around you to work with you. And ideally you would like to have a little bit of a less of a confusion or, or rumors, but does that concern you at all for next year? Um, it doesn't concern me. And, and the reason why is because, you know, there, there's still going to be, regardless of what ends up ultimately happening, there's going to be a lot of continuity that still exists in the team. Um, you know, Pato's staying, obviously, you know, the management is staying, the engineering side from, from my knowledge is staying. So, so all of the key pieces are still going to be the same. You know, it, there might be a new driver, there might not be. Um, there might be some noise surrounding that situation, but ultimately, I would say the majority of the organization is, is kind of unchanged. So, so for, from that side, it's, it's not a concern at all, and um, it'll be interesting to kind of see what ends up being um, the solution for all of this in, over the next couple of months. Well, and we'll all be following it very closely. 
Alexander, congratulations on finally, as you said, when you climbed out of the car, getting back on the right side of things in victory lane and uh, good luck this weekend in Nashville. I appreciate it guys. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. TK is a sidebar to everything that took place uh, in the Gallagher Grand Prix at Indianapolis Motor Speedway for the first time in just, I, I can't even recall it ever happening before a driver got out during practice and after a qualifying session, and it was Colton Herta who expressed very publicly um, his concern about the consistency of the alternate Firestone red tire. I'm going to paraphrase, but basically what he said is this inconsistency. You can make zero changes to the car and from one set to the other. And within a very compressed time frame, you'll end up going back out. It is miles away from what you had in terms of the feel for the red tires that you just took off. Is this something that maybe we should at least begin to track or, you know, what's your take on, on those observations by Colton Herta? Well, I'm pretty sure that Firestone will be on top of it because somebody said something and they're really good at it. You know, our biggest partners in, in so many years, they will listen. My opinion, it's hard to blame a tire, man. I mean, uh, first of all, we don't make race cars like the same. But Firestone is being pretty consistent. So their record, it's impeccable. So you can't say track gets hotter. The cars can't change the wind. It's more rubber. You got more rubber on the car. You got more the rubber. Track. There are so many things that I'm not discrediting Colton, but it's hard to blame something, you know, like especially out of a qualify, you have your hot head, you just came out of the car. So I don't know. Is that something there? I'm pretty sure Firestone and Kara and her team will be on top of it. Um, have I experienced that? I don't know because I finished a qualifying run saying, well, I had one set that was better. The other one was not. But yeah. what was it? It was the track condition. It was track temp. It was the car. So you can't. It's so hard. That's why That's why it's so complicated to die a race car. And that's why it's fascinating. So I think this new car and with the aero screen, I think the engineers, everyone we've talked to, TK, they talk about how the most minute adjustment can profoundly affect the performance of the car. And right. that, to me, says the playing field, the out-of-bounds lines before you cross the line have become so narrow that the most minute adjustment. I, I do want to qualify one thing. Uh, Colton did not get out of the car complaining. He right, was kind right. of in that stream of consciousness. And, by the way, and until you just said it, I hadn't thought about it. Other Andretti Autosport teammates, specifically the one I recall is Roman Grosjean, who basically was talking to his engineer about it while they were out there qualifying. They remarked how they couldn't get the handle on transitioning from one set of reds to the other. So it could be, just as you alluded to, endemic to the way Andretti Autosport likes to set up their cars. Right. We'll never know. So... Uh, I'm pretty sure Firestone is looking around, but I, I don't think that they're too worried because it's one guy complaining or making a remark, mm -hmm. not complaining, mm -hmm. but against everybody else, they're not saying the same thing. Let me ask you one final question, and then we'll switch our attention over to Christian Lungard. And that is this crossover, Indy and NASCAR, sharing the marquee spotlight at the biggest racetrack, the greatest spectacle in racing, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Can you envision that maybe, just maybe, a couple of NASCAR guys 
might attempt a one-off in the future. I bring this up because over on the NASCAR side, we know that Kyle Busch is in the midst of contract talks that are going, depending on what day they're going well, they're not going well. And NBC's Nate Ryan penned a fascinating article to where he suggested that in his conversations that Kyle Busch would entertain doing some one-offs, including the Indianapolis 500, which Kyle revealed a couple of years ago, had the deal set in place to do the double only to be stopped by his contract with uh, JGR. Can you imagine it when you're on site at the same place, you know, maybe putting your toe in the water that way? I can see it happening more in the ovals. I mean, I think Jimmy kind of showed those guys that it's going to be hard. It's the same way it's hard for us to go their way. It's really hard for them to come our way. I think Kurt Busch showed how well he ran the first year and people were really impressed. Jimmy has shown in the ovals. So, yes, but I strongly doubt that anybody will have guts like Jimmy did to do a full championship because it's uh, it's as hard as it is for us to yeah. move NASCAR. So I can see that happening for sure. All right. It was another historic reason for Alexander Rossi's victory as well. The milestone was reached when uh, Andretti Autosports' Jessica Mace, part of the over-the-wall pit crew, won with Alexander Rossi. And according to sources, she is believed to be the first woman in any top-tier racing series as a tire changer to score a victory at a premier series uh, level. You know, uh, it, to me, it just goes hand in glove with our conversation one week ago. And, uh, you know, the women of the racing world are shattering that crystal glass ceiling. And uh, congratulations to Jessica Mace as she's part of IndyCar history now. We're going to switch gears because all of a sudden, I don't know about you, but Every week we talked about what was going on with Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan racing. Why were they not really getting the results that they wanted? Well, their rookie, Christian Lundgaard, driving that number 30 Shields Cleansers Honda from Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan racing, climbed up on the podium and finished second in the race and is starting to streak away in the rookie of the year battle. He'll be front and center with us here on Brick by Brick after this. Quick pit stop, and then we're back on the track. This, this is Sirius XM's Brick by Brick. We're hitting the apex to bring you the hottest news from the NTT IndyCar Series. This is Sirius XM's Brick by Brick. Welcome back to Brick by Brick. He is Tony Ganon. I'm just along for the ride. Yours truly, Jack Aroot. But talk about a ride. Our next guest had a great one this past weekend where he finished second in his number 30 Shield Cleansers Honda out of the Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing Stable. Christian, can you describe the feeling when you crossed the stripe of that yard of bricks and you were not just a podium finish, but a career best second? Honestly, you know, it, it felt great for the team. I think that for me was the biggest relief. Um, you know, knowing how hard the team has been working this whole year and, you know, how much we've struggled in the beginning of the season to just get this done and for everyone to see that it's possible, everyone having this hard work, you know, paying off. 
for me, that was a big relief. And, and, you know, by the time I finished all the press conferences and stuff, they had already packed the trucks. So uh, I had to jump over a lot of stuff inside the truck, you know, just to change back. But when I yeah. came back and, and saw all the, all the guys, um, you know, it was just, you could see it on their faces that it was just this huge amount of pressure just relieved from their shoulders. And for me, that was special to see. Um, and, you know, to be a part of it um, for me was special. I kind of still haven't really realized that I finished second, but it, it you know, I just felt so relieved um, and pleased for the team. Hey, Christian, no, no pressure, Jack. We won't tell Christian I picked him to win the race this weekend. Oh, right? all right. Okay. I got you. Gotcha. And you're like four for four. Okay, go ahead. Right, right. Yeah. I, and I only got right the last four. Uh, Christian, obviously, you did really well last year there. So I, I think everybody was kind of like expecting. Do you think it was a and, – and, and we said it in the show. I mean, you guys are being it, – it's misfortune. The results were not really fair that what you guys did this year because you guys had some, some bad luck. But was that a coincidence that is a track that you did well last year? Is it just a track like – I'll give you an example. Back in the days um, – Brian Herta. Every time we went to Laguna Seca, we knew Brian was going to be tough. Do you think yeah. that is that going to become one of those tracks for you? Um, looking at it now, probably. Um, <laughs> it, it actually it, it annoyed me a lot after the weekend that looking at the fact that this was the weekend where we achieved the podium. You know, I would rather have had it be in, let's say, the runner where we had a good car and and we were competitive. You know, just because now it's it's going to be easy to pinpoint that oh yeah we're coming to Indy we know he's going to be strong and you know for myself it's going to be easy to put put too much pressure on myself um but but honestly I've I've been quite honest to myself and say you know Indy we're going to be strong no matter what but we we got to back this podium up in Nashville we got to have a good weekend we got to show everyone that this wasn't a one off and, you know, because otherwise it, it will just be one of those where, oh, okay, the team's going to be strong in Indy and then they're going to suck everywhere else, right? <laughs> um, we don't want that at all. And TK, you know well enough yourself as, as a driver, you know, everyone works extremely hard. You know, it's, it's difficult to pinpoint one track where you know you're going to be strong and et cetera. We want to win every event and, and we're working extremely hard to do so. Um, but I don't think it's, it's any secret that we've been battling some demons in the beginning of the season for sure. Which is also why this podium just felt so much more satisfying, you know, just to to release the pressure from everyone's shoulders. Christian, since you first came over here and now in your rookie campaign, every time that we have visited, I leave with the sense that you're a very analytical type person. That emotion doesn't really come into play either A, in your racecraft or even when you exit the race car. And I'm not saying that in a negative way. Am I wrong? Am I misguided? Or... Are you just this calm, cool, collected guy that takes the data, processes it, and then tries to maximize the result? I'd say so. Well, yes and no. I think, you know, I, I don't, um, I don't let, let many things affect me because, I mean, in, in the end, there is no point. Um, you know, if, for example, you know, if, if I would have been in Marcus's um, position this weekend, you know, blow up the engine in, in qualifying, I'll still go into the race and think, you know, we have a car that's quick enough to, to finish in, in the, in the well end of, of top 10, you know, so looking at it in that perspective, you know, I'll, I'll just look forward and, and kind of forget what has happened and, and move forward and, and use my experience wisely. Um, 
for sure there will be mistakes on the way. I think that's how, how we all learn, right? So, uh, but no, I, I would say I, I will think more ahead and, and not look that much into the past. So you extended your rookie lead by 27 points. It was a big deal to me, uh, and I'm pretty sure I know the answer, but I got to ask. Uh, I know that you can say, you know, if we worry about winning races, that will take care of itself. But how important that title will be for you? Um, on, I spoke to Piers the other day uh, on Monday morning. I, um, I showed up at the, at the workshop Monday morning at whatever, eight o'clock or something in the morning. And Piers was very surprised to see me there after the weekend. You know, we, we had this conversation. He told me, I want you to win the rookie championship. And I said, man, at this point, I don't really care. We got to take Nashville and then Gateway. And then we go to Portland. And then, then we see where we are going into Laguna. And if we have to, to be sure we get a good result. But honestly, you know, at this point, it's not something I look at. I don't think I have looked at it much this season. My girlfriend, for sure, lets me know everything about the standings. Oh, now you've extended. Oh, he caught up to you. And, you know, <laughs> for me, I, I don't look into it because... The more you look into all these kind of uh, standings and points and you, you put too much pressure on yourself because let's say, okay, now I'm 27 points ahead in the standings and, you know, I can sit here and calculate what positions I need to finish and he needs to finish for me to still win. Right. I, I don't see the point of doing that, you know, because right. um, I rather want to focus on doing the best job with the team. Um, I'm sure, like you just said, TK, you, you got to ask. I've had the question a, a few amount of times now. Um, I mean, it, it's, it is good, obviously. It, it, it looks for sure good on, um, on your record afterwards that you won the, the rookie championship. And even this year, you know, it's quite competitive. I think we've got some, some good drivers. Um, it look, for me, I've, I've been quite surprised by the Dale Coin car this year. It seems to be, to be very strong. And we've seen Malukas qualify in the fast six a couple of times. Um, they seem to be missing a bit in the races where we are strong, uh, to be honest. We, we seem to not qualify very well, but then race very well. So if we can sort the qualifying out, like we did this weekend, I think for me, that was what was it this weekend. We qualified in the fast six and it, it basically took care of itself. So It's uh, a lot easier up there, up front. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what, 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 what's the tricks? Teach me. Tell me. Come on. Well, I'm telling you, like in the past five years, what happened? People kept saying, oh, man, TK and his restarts. I said, guys, when you, you started at 25th, I mean, that's what you got to do. So don't get impressed by what my restarts were because when you start six, you don't pass six cars. But yeah, I mean, you said it, mate. Uh, I, I really believe that this year, rookie class, uh, by winning this, I know you just said it, that that's not your focus, but like it's not the main focus. It's one of the toughest ones I've ever seen. So you should be proud that you're leading that and... Um, you know, and if you get that, it'll be for sure. It's been a while that IndyCar hasn't seen so many good talents. It's at in one all year. at once, yeah, all at once. So, I think more and more are going to be coming in the next few years. I think um, uh, looking at Callum and I coming over from Europe, I know that there is interest from from other European drivers to come over. But obviously, it's it's always going to be the limit of of seats. You know, space is always going to be an issue. We we've, we've got the this is what I like about IndyCar. You got the, the young fellas coming over, um, moving up from, from the Indy Lights and, and the road to Indy categories. And then you got the, the tough guys like TK keep showing the up. Old the, guys, the old guys. That we got, <laughs> the, the old guys that we got, that, that we got to beat, you know. Um, and they've been in the game uh, a long time. And I think um, I'm, I'm sure 
Alex and, and Marcus have learned a lot from you and also Dixie for, especially for the 500 this year, you know, uh, and I've got Graham and Graham has been a huge help to me, you know, understanding how all the races are going to pan out. We, we're going to go to a new racetrack and he, he teaches me all sorts of weird things where I'm like, yeah, man, I, I know, you know, they, these are the simple things, but sometimes all these little keys come in the mix as well. And, and it's, it's a huge help. And, and, you know, it, it's, for us rookies to come in and i think that's where callum's disadvantage is you know just being a single car team they rock up at all the at, at all the ovals and he's got no one that can really put him in right. the direction so i would say callum has done a really really good job this year as well um you know i speak to him fair fair amount we we raced against each other in europe in f2 um and to come over here it's it's good to see that, that we're competing as well i never call my partner old callum <laughs> I call him crusty, okay, but you know, never old because right. he's younger than I am. Hey, listen, we wish you the very best at Nashville. Tell me uh, what are some of the speed secrets that your uh, lead driver, Graham Rahal, might have already shared with you about the Music City Grand Prix. Have you ever driven a race circuit over a bridge, not one way, but both ways? Uh, I don't think so. And I know, I honestly, I never thought that was, that was going to happen. Um, I don't think any race driver really thought that was going to be an option <laughs> at any point. Um, actually the, um, the F1 track that was supposed to race in Copenhagen was also supposed to be over a bridge. Uh, it's going to be a shorter bridge than this one, but, uh, it, the, the plan never fell through, but I mean, to see that in, in any category or racing series, you know, it's, it's awesome for the fans. Um, obviously there's not going to be any grandstands over there. But I, th I think, you know, uh, from what I've heard from the last year's event, it was crazy, right? Um, so coming into this this year, I'm actually very happy it's only been a one race there because I think it equal equalizes a bit for, for the experienced drivers and, and the rookies. But I'm sure we will see some teams have, have progressed um, a lot since last year. I think uh, if, if we show up with a package that we had in Toronto, we won't be, uh, be struggling so much. Well, we wish you the very best and do appreciate your visiting with us here today. Absolutely. See ya. Well, coming up next, let's turn our attention to that race circuit that has a bridge that you race on both ways, up and back. We'll visit with the man in charge of this upcoming Music City Grand Prix, Chris Parker, to the program after this. Quick pit stop, and then we're back on the track. This, this is Sirius XM's Brick by Brick. From the green flag to the checkered flag, this is Sirius XM's Brick by Brick. And here we go. The Music City Grand Prix is green. A launch and win. Marcus Erickson win eight years without a victory. He's now won two times in any Marcus Erickson takes the inaugural Music City Grand Prix. Welcome back to Brick by Brick here on NBC Audio Channel 85. TK, you are intimately involved in this upcoming event. But I have said after I watched the first one that it is now becoming just one year an iconic street course event. It's known as the Music City Grand Prix, brought to you by Big Machine, ergo your tie in there. And I'm pleased to have uh, Chris Parker join us, president of the Big Machine Music City Grand Prix in Nashville. Chris, last year, 
It was a drop the mic moment. Everything that you could have ever hoped for when you visited with us, you got from the money shot across the bridge to having a crash between the eventual <laughs> winner and then to come back and score his first career victory. I mean, how do you top all of that this year? Yeah, you know what? I mean, let's start by, yeah, I don't I don't know, and TK can probably comment on this you know, with greater knowledge, but I don't know how often you can have your winner tear off his front fairing, um, go air, go airborne, you know, pull into the pits, get you know, get a new one put on, throw in a little petrol, and then head back out there and and win his first race in Marcus Erickson. And I mean, it just was a it was a phenomenal event. We were very very fortunate. Uh, a, a great crowd, wonderful weather for the most part. I mean, the things that we couldn't control. Um, actually were fantastic. There were a few growing pains. There were a few hiccups. First year event, I know that there were some criticisms of uh, areas of the track. We definitely uh, learned, you know, the patterns of people on property and we're making some changes there so that we have a better sense of where people will go and what they need in terms of uh, direction and uh, information. But you're right, we were extremely fortunate to put on a fantastic event and we got our work cut out for us in year two. You're always evolving. You're always changing. You're always improving. And let's be honest, you know, last year we were the new shiny toy um, on the IndyCar series. We are largely as a nation back to quote unquote normal. Uh, everybody's open. Uh, there's a ton of events in Nashville and everywhere else in the country. And so we got our work cut out for us. And that's why they put these things on year over year. You can't rest on your laurels. Chris, uh, people don't realize how big of a challenge is to just set up a, a street course race. But then you talk about Nashville. I mean, a place that it's like we go, my wife and I, we go to Nashville six times a year. And it's never not busy. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, Vegas. So it, you can see the resistance from people that love IndyCar, but, you know, don't like the commotion and the mess and the traffic. And then you have people that have no clue what IndyCar is. And then you get the attention to what's going on here. So, I mean, it was a great event. I was there. Uh, it was actually my first race that I actually attend since I actually decided to, to slow down. I had always watched it on TV. And um, just tell the listeners, I mean, you guys made some changes on the track uh, layout as well this year, right? We did. And so, you know, to your first point, I think, um, TK, you know, we definitely want to find that happy medium between the folks that are hardcore indie, IndyCar fans um, and then those folks that just want to come to Nashville for an experience. If we're able to do that over time, then you've got a really good combination. You've got a really good mix of fans, people who love going downtown on Broadway, seeing country music, don't mind a little bit of racing. And then those people who are 90% racing and 10% doing something else. Um, so if we're able to do that would be great to your second point. Yes, a few alterations made this year that hopefully improve uh, the experience, first and foremost for the drivers, but also, you know, secondly for the fans. So the first one is all of the start all of the restarts if there are unfortunate circumstances of of delays or accidents all the restarts will occur from the starting line so that'll be as you're coming down the bridge heading east. Okay. Um, so we won't do it in a corner, which we found to be problematic because it just caused more accidents. So that's number one. It probably solves the biggest number of problems. Number two, 
turn nine, which is the marquee, marquee turn at the base of the bridge, 90 degree left um, right there by the gas station, uh, by your sponsor, 7-Eleven. Um, <laughs> we'll, uh, we've brought the wall out. We, don't, we no longer contour with the curb. We've brought the, we've brought the wall out on a straight line. So it'll, it will force the drivers uh, into a bit more of a funnel. So you can't go at that corner, you know, three or maybe even four wide. You'll have to go down to about two wide. So I think that will solve some issues. And then we've made some changes down on turns 10 and 11, 11 being the last turn before the finish line where we've taken out driver's left curbs um, to widen the apex there. So it's not as much of a 90 plus degree turn, a little bit more visibility coming around the corner. And then the last part is trying to reposition a few video boards. Cause I mean, again, I'm, I'm not a race car driver, so you can tell me, but you guys use those video boards as you're going down, you look up and see all these video boards around a track and around a course and go, okay, I can see ahead of me. There's something going on based on the camera that NBC is providing. Right. I mean, Chris, but you shouldn't listen to us. We complain about everything. Everything. So. Oh well, my I'm, God. I'm, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to take <laughs> I'm going to take uh, Marcus Erickson at his word. He said, you know, it's not the job of a promoter to make the track easy for us as professional drivers. Correct. So I'll, and I'll take him at his word, take yes for an answer and move on. <laughs> and that was very kindly of you saying that you changed the, the restart zone. But I, I have to say, I agree with you. We change it for a better show because we need to figure out not to crash if it's in a corner or not. And Chip has the perfect saying. He says, that's why I pay you guys the big bucks. So yeah, well. that's and right. By the way, if, if y'all want to know a little bit more behind the master architect in uh, this week's uh, wind tunnel, my podcast, which dropped about two hours ago, you'll be able to listen to my visit with Tony Cotman, who uh, Chris, you know, very well. And I say is the mad genius that just loves to design and did a tremendous job with your street circuit, but it's more than just a street circuit. It, to me, it is the, it, it has become the true template for what an event should be. You're mixing food, you're mixing Broadway, you're mixing IndyCar, action, sights, smells, sound. You're even taking advantage of the river with a world championship jet ski competition. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, who knew that there was professional uh, pro watercross jet ski races? Yeah, but, but there are, and they're going to be here on Friday and Saturday. And well, so and, and one of Connor Daly's brothers is actually, I believe, yeah. going yeah, to compete right. in it. Yeah, yeah. So we're going we're going to get to see that and see how that factors into um, into the overall event. I mean, we say this all the time. We, we really have a handful of constituent groups that we try to service and we try to make improvements and we try to um make alterations to benefit every year so first and foremost you know we want to take care of indycar the other sanctioning bodies the drivers of course uh very important for us to take care of metro nashville and the municipality that allows us to put this on and all of the downtown residents and people who put up with the interruptions and some of the uh, stoppages that it uh, that the event causes and then most importantly all the sponsors all of the fans all the people who pay the freight uh, who allow us uh, to ensure that this event occurs year over year and, and hopefully gets to a place like Long Beach or St. Peter, Toronto, where you're talking about having done an event for 20, 30, 45 years. Um, 
inevitably with changes and improvements year over year. And, and, and that's, that's up to us. I mean, we cannot, you know, this year will be different than last year, as I said, um, making improvements in every area, whether it's for the drivers, whether it's improvements to the fan zone, bring out a Ferris wheel for families to ride, you know, things of that nature, the pro water cross, as you mentioned, um, hopefully the music continues to be a huge draw. Tim McGraw is our headliner on Saturday night. Uh, it's his only stop in Tennessee this year. So, I mean, those types of things, we're trying to cater to as many people as possible. If you don't live, if you're not a big fan of racing, don't know something about racing, but you want to come out and experience it and maybe become a racing fan, great. If you're a hardcore racing fan and you want to spend 90% of your time doing that, but 10% of your time going on a Ferris wheel or checking out the, the, uh, the jet skis, that's great too. Listen, it, it is in one year in my estimation gotten right up there with the long beach race with st pete and it's the hard work not only spearheaded by you but thousands of volunteers we were there last season and it was electrifying i see no reason for it to be any different best wishes i know it's a busy time for you as you start to shut off roads and get ready but um, we appreciate your visiting and sharing the behind the scenes look at the uh, big machine music city grand prix Thanks so much for having me. Really do appreciate it. And uh, best of luck. And TK, we'll see you this week. Thanks. See you soon. Yep. Okay. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. Appreciate Thank you, you guys. Thank you. TK, I meant it. Uh, I think this event has already established itself in terms of uniqueness and in interest. You and I have talked about it. And I think mixing the music capital of the world, the, uh, you know, the uh, uh, bridal shower capital of the world, uh, the just all of it, it made sense. Yes, there were a couple of iterations of maybe comfortable disgruntlement, but uh, I think I think this one has already established itself as. A, oh, I mean, big it, time. I mean, it's it's like the Long Beach type of. Yeah, it's a festival. That, you know, it's yeah. a festival without yeah. question. All right, we're coming down to it. I hate this part. But you made the deal, all right? <laughs> You're the one that said, let's throw out the top 10 in points. So that means when we pick a winner this week, it cannot be Will Power. It cannot be Marcus Erickson, nor Joseph Newgarden, Scott Dixon, Pato Award, Alex Pelo, Scott McLaughlin, Alexander Rossi, who we visited with, Felix Rosenquist, or Colton Herda. You're lucky because... Colton had a bad race. He almost dropped. Oh, I was pulling for it so I could at uh, least get uh, in there. Out of the top. So, but I, hey, I'm going to go. I'm sorry. I'm going to go with Reno's VK. He's, you just took that one off the board on me, man. That's just, it. Hey, you have a good, but, but like we do it as my, uh, what do we call the second pick? No, the wild card. We'll call the it a wild card. card. Right. A great run for this kid is showing it. Christian Lungard. Man. I should have gone first. Well, All right. Well, what you left on the board, uh, I'm I'm gonna pick uh, Roman Grosjean. Okay. All right. All right. As and 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 my wild card, hmm, my wild card, David Malukas. Okay. All right. All right. So Nate, write those down, because when you get to be my age, you forget who you pick, and then you insist that you actually pick the winner. But we will be Nate, back. Nate, Nate don't write it, it down. He's losing it. So don't worry yeah, about there it. There you go. 
right. Hey, as I said, when we were talking to Chris, fascinating uh, wind tunnel episode that just dropped. It includes Tony Cotman, who we both know is the evil genius behind developing these street circuits. But it also features my partner here, TK Tony Kanan. Finally. Finally. Well, I, I was waiting for the T-shirt, but it's seeing that it's yeah. coming. But no, TK weighs in. We talk a little bit about maybe things behind the scenes in the evolution of IndyCar racing. And I'll also introduce you to a youngster, TK, that is just tearing the, the short tracks up by the name of Jared Fryer. He just won the Hampton Heat 200, and his dad is the one that builds and maintains the cars. That's all on Jackaroot's Wind Tunnel. You can download it wherever you get your favorite podcast. My thanks to our guest today, and a quick reminder that we will be back to uh, break things down one week from now. Our producer, they only build one. That's Nate Lee. So for Tony Kanata, I'm Jack Aroot. I remind you to join us next week because we'll get together again for yet another edition of Brick by Brick. <laughs>